following message entitled, The House That Matters, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 7th of June, 2015, at Saving Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. This wasn't just like your average vacation where you and your family just get away. This was, for me and I know for a number of other folks that went, more like a Christian retreat than a vacation. And uh, the reason for that was because there were not only a, us and a couple families from the church here, but uh, a number of families from North, North Street Christian Church in Butler <clears throat> that joined us there. We joined them. And uh, so altogether, probably 50 or 60 Christians uh, got together at the Outer Banks for a week. And it, the whole time was filled with just Christ-centered conversation uh, we had church every night. Every evening for this week we were at the beach, we would get together with these other believers and we'd worship and have a teaching. Um, it was just awesome. The, the devotional times in the morning, the times when I would go up to the, the third deck on this huge house we stayed in and look over the beach and read my Bible and pray were unhurried. It was uh, no pressure. I didn't have to get done to do anything. It was just that was the priority on this vacation. Jesus Christ... And our relationship with Him was the priority. And that's really what the book of Haggai is about. And I read the book of Haggai as I was sitting up on that deck, looking out over the ocean in the morning, and God showed me a few things about my life that I needed to readjust. And He did it through this book. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take us through this book. But uh, I have a little clip just to show you guys a little, a little picture of the time we had, a 30-second clip of the worship that we had. And by the way, you'll notice in this clip that uh, the three of the guys that are leading the music are the guys from the band About a Mile, who we had the announcement that they're going to be at our church in August. So that was awesome to be with these guys. I'll show you a little bit of uh, what we experienced. The coolest thing was how these guys could just stop moving for like seconds at a time, and it, it made it, it had a good effect. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, that was to, just to show you guys, give you a little taste of what we experienced every evening, every day of this vacation together, just worshiping God, and then someone would come up and speak from His Word. And uh, so it was just through that whole week, and what God showed me in His Word, that sort of recalibrated my thinking. And uh, that's what I want to talk about this morning. So Haggai, if you found it by now, is a book about examining and refocusing priorities in our lives. And uh, it's, it's, it takes place back, you know, in the Old Testament before Jesus came to the earth. And let's, uh, let's just go ahead and get started with it. I'm hoping that through this, through this first chapter that we look at, God will help each of us to sort of push a reset button on our lives and put Him first 
over all of our own agendas. So let's pray and then we'll look at it. Father, please help us as you told the people of Israel through Haggai to consider our ways and to refocus and reprioritize our lives that we might have the peace that comes with that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of this message is The House That Matters. And you'll see why as we read the passage. Let's, uh, let's read verses 1 through 4 to start it off. It says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, so the, the people of Judah here say, that the time has not yet come to rebuild the, the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet again, saying, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So here's the situation back in Judah. The people of Judah were really just having misplaced priorities. They were putting their own agendas, their own desires, their own houses before the house of the Lord, the temple that was falling down around them. It was in ruins. So we need to know that going into this. And what we're going to do is we're going to break, before I give you this first point, we're going to break this chapter up into three sections, just to make it easier to understand. So, Dave, if we could project those three sections. We have, in verses 1 through 5, we're going to talk about diagnosing misplaced priorities. And then the second point will be from verses 5 through 11, the consequences of misplaced priorities. And then third, the solution to misplaced priorities in verses 12 through 15. So, verses 1 through 5, that we just read, show us that just like the people of Judah, sometimes our priorities can get out of whack. Our agendas, the things that we're thinking about all the time, what we're busy with, they can get out of line. And God calls us through this passage to put first things first. The people of Judah, they were putting their, their paneled houses first. Verse 4. And, and when Haggai says this in verse 4, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? It's almost like he's being a little bit sarcastic. See, paneling back then, I guess, was a luxury item. Um, I'm not so sure paneling is a luxury item today. If it is, our house is probably going it's, to... It's like top dog, right, Jane? We've got paneling on all of our walls. But back then, paneling was, it was a comfort item. It was a luxury item. It was for fancy houses. And he's saying, God's saying through him, look, you guys are you're worried about your paneled houses. You're heading over to the Jerusalem Lowe's or Home Depot every night, buying all this home decor, while my house is falling down around you. It's in ruins. Now, what's the best way for us as a New Testament church to, to take the Old Testament in passages like this? Because we don't have a temple. Okay? This building is not the temple of the Lord. In the Old Testament, God lived in the temple. As a matter of fact, we saw that in this, uh, in this passage. Verse 2, the time, you say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. 
He lived in that house back then. But in the New Testament, what's the temple? Right, we are. We are the temple. Not this building, but us, both individually and corporately, are the temple of God. And so the best way to take this, and we're going to be seeing this a lot through the book of Joshua as we get into Old Testament books, is that many times the physical pictures, the stories, the experiences of Israel in the Old Testament are, are physical pictures of spiritual realities and truths for us in the New. So, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 3. The way we're going to take this is that we can't let our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with one another as the people of God, the temple of God, suffer and be neglected to the expense of all the other things that we have going on in our lives. That's the real point of this passage for us today. Just like they were neglecting the temple of God then, we can neglect the temple of God now. Our, our own relationship with Jesus Christ, His house, because He lives in us. And we see that in a number of passages. 1 Peter 2, verse 5, for example, from the New Testament, tells us this very thing. It says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, we, ourselves, are this spiritual house. We are the spiritual equivalent of that Old Testament temple that was being neglected and falling down. So, the temple is all of us as living stones put together, the church, not the building, the people, but it's also you and me individually. We're told this many places in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, for one example, where Paul says to the Corinthians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So, We've got a little graphic here just to help us understand this. Old Testament, physical house, temple. New Testament, you and I, believers, individually, corporately. We're going to take this passage from Haggai and apply it through a New Testament lens. And basically, like we're going to see throughout, we cannot neglect the temple of God, our own relationship with Him as a church and as individuals. Now, one of the reasons I'm so thankful that God led me to read this book, Haggai, uh, last week on vacation, is because of what He did for me personally through this. Uh, over the last couple of months, uh, probably since like February, I've been really distracted from putting first things first. Uh, I've started uh, back in February, March, building a two-story addition onto our house, so that was going on, the process of that. I hurt my knee, I uh, was down for a long time, had to get surgery. I'm worried, like, how long is this going to take to recover? Because i got so much to do, and I'm telling God, can you please heal me? Because i got all this stuff to do, i got this project started, i got so many things going on. About that same time, I, uh, some of you know, I, 
I've been having these stomach problems where I couldn't figure it out. My stomach's like acting up all the time, feeling sick all the time. And uh, so I'm like, what's wrong with my stomach? How's my, how's my project going to get done? How long is it going to take for my knee to recover? God, I've got a lot to do. Can you please help me with this? And what I was doing, even though I was seeking God in this, I was seeking Him because I had my own agenda going on. I wasn't really thinking about His. Then came last week at the beach when I couldn't work on my house. Um, I just My priority last week was just to grow in my relationship with Jesus and these other believers that I was in and just have a good time. And So I went from all this stress, which I think was probably causing my stomach problems for all these months, to my stomach just not hurting at all after last week. Um, my knee feels great, and I'm not saying that God healed me because I was getting into His Word, but me getting into His Word every day, experiencing fellowship with these believers, and what He showed me through this book gave me peace. It took stress away. And that's what you'll see as we go on through this book. When we put God's house first, our relationship with Him, and we make that our priority, and we're not so focused on our own agendas, He brings peace into that house, your body your mind, your heart. Because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and He will come in there and just calm all those waves. And that's what He did for me. So, I want to show you guys some of those points on just refocusing our agenda. Look again. Well, actually, I think we might have the projection. I don't know if I put this in my notes, Dave, but Hebrews 3.6. Hebrews 3.6 says that Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are His house. We are His house. Christ is faithful over God's house. We are His house. So think of this as we're going through these pictures, these houses in this Old Testament book of like... You are Jesus Christ's house if you're a believer. What kind of housekeeper are you being for Him? That's what Haggai called these people of Judah to do. Consider your ways. What are you doing with your life? What, what are you busy with? Are you busy with other houses? Or are you busy with Jesus Christ in His house? That's, that's the main idea here. Haggai says it, verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Are we really putting our relationship with Him and the other people in the church first? Or are we putting just all the other stuff first? And this doesn't mean that we stop doing things that we need to do. I, mean, I still need to finish this edition. Um, you know, many, time, many of us still have health problems that, are, that make it hard. We have a lot going on. We have jobs. It doesn't mean stop that. It just means... Make this first. Make Jesus Christ first. And when we do that, He will take care of the rest. We're going to see that through this passage. It's like the Israelites here in this passage, they only had 24 hours in a day, just like us. The thing was, they were giving themselves the good hours, maybe all the hours, and giving God the leftover hours. So that's another way to look at this. Are you giving God the leftover hours of your day? What you have left after you do the things you need to do? 
Or are you giving God the good hours? We don't want to give God the leftovers. We should get the leftovers. So this is how we diagnose these misplaced priorities. We consider our ways. We're, we're called to do that as Christians. Think about your priorities. As we go through the rest of this chapter, think about what you are busy with. Many of you may have it right. This is an encouragement for you, but it could be a correction for those who have it wrong. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we, we do just get off course a lot of times. I think we all need to hear a message like this once in a while because we can get off course. So that's diagnosing misplaced priorities. Number two, the consequences of misplaced priorities. And this comes from verses 5 through 11. Some of the consequences with living with misplaced priorities. As we read 5 through 11, just think about this. Think about, do you identify with any of this? Any of the things that the people of Judah are suffering as a result of these wrong priorities, do you identify with this? Could you say you experienced some of this in your life? Verse 5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Here's what you do, verse 8. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills, on the grain, on the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, on all their labors. See, they had it backwards. They were waiting to get all their other stuff done to give God time to work on His house. They said back in, in uh, the earlier, one of the earlier verses that we looked at, they said, it is not yet time to rebuild this house. And we can do the same thing. We can think, oh, once I get to this point in life, then I can work on my relationship with God. I can get more involved with the people of the church. I can, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. It's just a busy season for me right now. And that's exactly what they were saying. And that's why they were suffering these consequences. They were spinning their wheels. They weren't getting anywhere. You know, take it fast forward to today. We might be slaving to get a piece of the American dream where we've got a nice house and we've got our IRA built up. We've got the, we want to get to the point where we get this high income. And all the while, we're earning wages to put them in bags with holes in them, like the people of Judah were doing. When we neglect our relationship with Jesus Christ because we've got our own priorities and our own agenda, and we put that first, this is what happens. 
They were sowing their seeds and they were working their fields and they were just looking for pleasure, satisfaction, comfort and safety, but they were looking in all the wrong places. See, the point of this is we can have all those things if we do it God's way. Then we will get those things. He, he will give us those things. And so when we get busy with our own agenda, many times we look up one day and find that the temple is in ruins. That our relationship with Jesus Christ and His people, it's been neglected. There's a lot of work to be done on it. It's fallen down. See, the whole idea of this book, Jesus summed up when He said in Matthew 6, basically that God's way is the opposite of thinking that way, the way of the world. Matthew 6, 19-33, Jesus said we're to seek first His kingdom. And all these other things will be added to us. He said, verse 19 of Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm just going to stop right there to tell us, look, where your treasure is, what you treasure and put first, that's where your heart will be. If we put God's ways first, even if we don't feel like it, our heart will follow. We're going to see that more in Haggai too. Verse 22, the eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. You can't work full-time in two different houses. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And Jesus said this because He knows that if we do the right thing and put Him first, that that's going to be the automatic thought. What? How, how am I going to get food, Jesus? How am I going to get all these clothes? How am I going to get my things taken care of? He's saying, don't worry about that. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They, in other words, they don't, they don't work for their beauty. Verse 29, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. The word anxious means troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried about all these things saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or how are we going to get our projects done? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here's the key. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Everything you need will be added to you. Jesus will take care of that. 
but we've got to get our priorities in order or else we're just going to lose it. Matter of fact, look what he says back in Haggai 1.9. He says, You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. God will blow it away one day. He might not blow it away in the near future, but one day, if you're a Christian and you're putting other things first to the expense of your relationship with Him, you're going to lose it. He's going to blow it away. You're just filling up a bag with holes in it. He says, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. What are you most busy with? This is a question I ask myself. This is a question I'm so glad God led me to ask myself last week. I've been experiencing great peace from the Lord in my mind, especially when I compare it to the last several months of stress that I've been having. My stomach stopped hurting. It has not hurt since like the, probably the second day of my vacation. And I don't think it's only because I was sitting on a beach in 80 degree weather in the sun. That might have helped some. But the primary reason, I believe, is because God showed me, put my house first. And I'll take care of all these other things. God's going to help me get my addition built whenever the time comes. He'll do it in His timing. I'm going to work on it, but I'm not going to put it first. I'm not going to put other things first. That's the point of this. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is about putting first things first. It's about our priorities as Christians. So we've got to get busy for Jesus first. So those those are some of the consequences of misplaced priorities. Now we're going to see how to get busy with the house that matters. The solution to misplaced priorities. This is point three from verses 12 through 15. How do we do this? It's not some really complicated formula. This, this that we're going to read, this is more like, you know how lately in, when you open, uh, like at Christmas when your kids get toys, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but now they put two sets of instructions in. There's the long version and then there's the quick version. Like, who reads? I don't read the long version. I'm going for the quick one, right? This is the quick version, the quick solution to misplaced priorities. Look at, look at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Three things. They heard the voice of Haggai. They heard God's Word to them. They obeyed Him. They feared the Lord. That's all we got to do. We're hearing a message today from God, from the book of Haggai, from Jesus in the book of Matthew, that says, put me first. How do we do it? Well, we just obey. That's all. We just fear Him enough that we obey. Look, they didn't... The, the, the people of Judah back here in Haggai's day, they didn't say, okay, well, let's get together and have this meeting and let's talk about all of our good intentions and let's talk about where we've blown it. They got to work. They obeyed. They went up on that hill. They started chopping down trees. They drug the timbers down and they began to build. This is something that I think we can grow in as a church. I know many of you probably are already here. Me personally... I think I can grow in this, and I think that just as a church overall, 
we can get to work more for the Lord. We do, I mean, we, there's not anything wrong with sitting around and talking about our good intentions, asking people to pray for our failures. But if that's all we do, then there is something wrong with it. We can get to work, and I, I'll tell you what, I've been, Mark and Joe and I were just talking about this, and we were thanking God that we are growing in this as a church. I mean, when I see the, the missions stuff that's going on here in the church, that's what we're talking about. These guys are, that are going to Uganda and the different missions groups, they're going to the hill. They're cutting down trees. They're bringing it back, and they're building God's house. I mean, they're doing, it's building their own relationship up with the Lord, and many of them have told me that, but it's also building His house. It's expanding. It's building on. Because there's a number of people over there in Uganda who may not be able to come into God's house if they hadn't gone over, shared the gospel, done the work to help them. So we can build God's house by evangelism as well and missions. And these are things that I think we, we can all grow in. God wants action. He wants obedience. He wants the fear of the Lord. And so let's just ask ourselves as a church and as individuals, what are we going to do about this message? See, if we just sit here and talk about it and we go home, and that was a nice, encouraging, pretty strong message, you know, and then forget about it, we missed it. What are we going to do about this? We've got to think. I want, I want us all to think individually in our minds. What can I do about my temple, about my relationship with Jesus and how that connects with the broader church? That's what we need to do with a message like this. God doesn't want you to feel badly about how you've blown it and dwell on that. He wants you to just take action like they did. That's what we can do. So everybody try to think of at least one thing you can do to try to grow and rebuild that temple, our relationship with the Lord. Because unless every single one of us are perfect and God's house, the temple, our, our relationship with Him is, is perfect, then you know that, that's just not true. We, we all have room to grow. So just like Haggai said, let's consider our ways. Now look at what God said in uh, verse 13 through 15. And then what He did for them as a result. This is, I love this passage because you're not only going to see, like, okay, I've been giving you the do this, do this. Now we're going to see what God does when we do this. This is what God did for them when they got realigned on their priorities and started rebuilding His temple. This is awesome. Verses 13 through 15. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people. Now the then there, that's after, remember, what we just read in verse 12. They obeyed. They feared the Lord and obeyed. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. This is what he said. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. When you and I fear God, and we begin to put our work on His modern day spiritual temple, our lives together, first, this is what He does. He, he, he says, I am with you. I mean, what could be better than that? Now, there is a sense in which God is always with us, 
But this sense that we're talking about here is, this isn't our relationship with Him. This is our fellowship with Him. This is, this is like when you know He's with you. See, rewind. Last few months I talked about the stressful months. Do you know what I prayed a lot? I'll let you in on my prayers a little bit. This is what I said to God, a lot. God, it doesn't feel like you're with me. Do you ever feel like that? It doesn't feel like you're with me. It just doesn't... I'm praying all this stuff. God, help me to get better. Help me to... Because I've got so much to do. But it doesn't feel like you're with me. Well, in a sense, He wasn't. Because my priorities were way out of whack. But God, in the sense of having fellowship with Him, He'll be with you when you do this. When you put Him first. He will be with you like He said to the people in Haggai's day. I, I am with you. And then look what He did. This is great. Then, it says that He stirred up their spirit. This is important for us to catch. and we can, we can miss this in this verse, these verses. A lot of times we don't feel like doing something that God calls us to do. And if we wait until we feel like it, we never will do it. But see, they obeyed, verse 12, they feared the Lord, they obeyed, they went up on that hill, they cut down trees, they started dragging the timbers down and got to work. And then, and then, what is it, two, one or two verses later, verse 14, He stirred up their spirit. God stirred up their spirit. Isn't this true? So many times, if you know that God tells you to do something, and you don't really feel like it, but you take that step of obedience and faith, I'm sure most of us can attest to the fact that He then stirs up our spirit in us, to want to do it. This is what the Bible talks about so much in the New Testament when it says, for example, in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then it says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Or like at the end of Colossians 1, I believe, when Paul said, I toil and struggle for this with all His energy that powerfully works within me. See, we're not robots. God's not just going to like take over your body and like one of those puppets make you do things. we got to take that step many times. But when we do, then His Spirit fills us and we get empowered and He stirs that up in us. And we want to do it. And it, it feels good. We experience His peace. We know then that He is with us. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to do because it's just the way God works. I know that many of you can attest to that. Don't wait till you feel like doing something that God calls you to do. Just do it, and then trust Him to continue to empower you to do that. So He says, I am with you. I mean, that's, that's all we really need, to know that He's with us. And He's with us in that sense when we get our priorities in order, when we get our agenda in order. There's a, a pastor named Francis Chan that I really like, and I'm going to steal his illustration here because I think it's great, and it, it just so fits into all of this, I think we'll benefit from it. He says, he says if you're driving your car, and he, he, what he's doing here is he's, um, he's making a, what do you call that, an analogy or a, a picture of life as a car driving. So that's like that car driving down the road represents your life. It's an illustration of your spiritual journey. And you're going along before you're saved, and one day... You, uh, you hear about Jesus Christ. You think, oh, 
I need Jesus Christ in my life. I, I want Jesus Christ in my life. Yeah, I definitely need Him. So you pull over the car, and you pop the trunk, and you say, Hey, Jesus, climb in. I need you in my life. Now, he says, it sounds horrible, and it, it does, like putting Jesus in the trunk. But really, that's what so many of us are doing, especially when our priorities are out of whack. It's like that's what we're doing. We pop the trunk and say, Jesus, climb in. And it's basically like saying, God, I want you with me, but I'm going to store you in the trunk. And, and I know every time I have a problem, I'll pull over and pop the trunk, and you can get out. I might have a flat tire, and it'll work out great because the jack's already back there. Jesus, and you can just get out, and you can fix my tire for me. And uh, it'll be fine. It'll be a, a good life. That's, that's completely backwards. That's not what we're supposed to do. See, we call Jesus Lord and we call Him Master, but when we do that, all we really want is a slave. We're like, Jesus, I need these things. I have needs in my life. I have needs and I need You to meet them. So, come on, slave. Help me. See, see how backwards that is? And, and Chan goes on to say, you know, some of us might be a little bit better. Some of us might invite Jesus up to the front seat and... Uh, Say, come on, Jesus, you can come up here and I'll talk to you about all my needs and my desires. And when I, you know, you can, we'll talk about things and you can tell me which way to go, but really I'm driving. So I'll, I'll make the decision do I want to go your way or mine? But you'd be a good advisor for me up here. And that's wrong too. What we need to do, and what Haggai basically told these people to do, is stop the car, get out of the driver's seat, give Jesus the keys, and say, you drive. I'm following. I'm your slave. I'll go wherever you say. That's what we need to do. And so many times we can just get it backwards and put them in the, in the trunk because we want to have control of our lives and we want to put our priorities first. See, Jesus wants to drive us. He wants to drive our lives. And when we get on board with Him and His plan, we will experience so much peace. That's the big, big benefit of this. I mean, besides the fact that he's, just, he's God, and this is what He says to do, put me first, a real big benefit for us. See, He loves us. He doesn't want us to be stressed. He doesn't want us to have all this anxiety in our lives because we've got so many things to do and we're busy with so many things. He wants us to have peace. And see, that's the effect that Haggai said happened after they rebuilt the temple. And that's the effect that we will have when we get to work on our temple, His temple, us, our relationship with Him and together. Look at, fast forward to uh, chapter 2 of Haggai, verse 9. This is, what, this is what the effect was. It says, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. In other words, when they rebuild this house, when they start to get their priorities in order, the glory is going to be greater than it even was before, says the Lord of hosts. And he goes on to say, And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Peace. Peace is something all of us want. And Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And we read in Hebrews chapter 3 a little bit ago that we are His house. And He is Lord over this house. And when we invite Him in, not in the sense of salvation, but in the sense of fellowship and saying, Lord, 
I want to follow you. Get in the driver's seat. Come in this house. I'm going to do everything I can to make it beautiful for you. And we experience his peace, just like they did back in Haggai's day. So, we need to get on board with the Lord and put him first. Now, I want to just give three simple take-homes, takeaways from this for us. And uh, these are from verse 7 of chapter 1. This is what, this is what Israel, uh, the people of Judah, did. It says in verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Then verse 8, actually. Go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house. Three things. Go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house, that I might take pleasure in it, and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. When they obeyed, that's what they did. And just want to kind of maybe get a little creative with this idea of taking the physical pictures of the Old Testament and turning them into spiritual truths, which is what it's for. Go to the hills. How can we take this for us today? I mean, we're not going to literally go and get some wood and bring it down here. We're not talking about physical things. We're talking about spiritual things. God's Word says that uh, I look to the hills. That's where my hope comes from. The hills are where our, our help comes from. Uh, God told Lot, run to the hills, there will be safety there. There are many pictures of the hills that we can go to, but I think where, what they all represent for us today is, is God's Word. That's where our help comes from. That's where our safety is found, in God's Word. So go to the hills. Go to God's Word every day. This is something very practical that we can all do to begin to get to work on the neglected temple. Go to God's Word every day. When I was on vacation, sitting out, looking over that sunset, unhurried, that was the priority. When we go there every morning, or every evening, or whenever, at least every day, go to the Word, we're going to be blessed by that. Number two, bring wood. So you don't just go to the hills. You bring wood. They would cut down trees, and they would drag the trees down to the temple site. So what are the trees? What's the wood? Well, it's, it's God's commandments for us. It's what He tells us to do in His Word. It's the truths of His Word. So when we go to His Word, when we go to the hills, we don't just go, we actually take something with us. Like they cut the tree and drug it down. We take, take a passage, take a verse, take a commandment from your daily reading with you in the day. Take ten, take twenty, take a bunch of them. Take as many as you can drag because they're going to help you throughout the day. So we go to the hills. We bring wood. Anything we can build our lives with around Jesus Christ. That's His Word. That's His truth. That's His commands. But here's what we don't do. We don't just store them up. God doesn't want us to have a big lumber yard with like piles of logs just sitting there. They, they didn't do that. What did they do with the wood? They were called to build. And God wants us to build this is an action word. This is a do word. He doesn't want us to be hearers only. If you're a hearer only, you've got a lot of lumber sitting around, but it's just being stored. It's just going to get eaten by termites. You've got to build. You've got to put it to use. That's what God wants us to do. So we build when we take that word and we start changing our lives with it and applying it to our lives and and, and, and rebuild that temple, our relationship with Jesus Christ through obedience to His Word. So, we go to the hills, we bring wood, 
and we build. And then we experience His peace. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that. You will experience His peace if you get your priorities in order, no matter what you go through. doesn't mean you're not going to suffer, but you will experience peace through that suffering. I would rather have His peace, knowing that He's with me going through suffering, than not have it. And you may avoid some of that suffering. Like I said, I think my stomach problems were due to stress because they haven't been back since. And uh, I have been very intentional to rebuild my relationship with the Lord every day since then. And I just think that's, you know, that's, that's His peace in me that's doing that. So, no matter how much, just to end, no matter how... Oh, it's only 10 o'clock. We can, we've got another hour and a half yet. All right, we'll do chapter 2. That clock's wrong. Um, no, I'm going to end it. Here's the thing. No matter how much you've neglected Jesus' house, your relationship with Him, your spiritual life, no matter how in ruins it is, if you're a believer, if you even have Jesus in you, no matter how much you've let it go, He is always waiting at the door. You might have you kicked Him out years ago. He might, he might not be in your house in the sense of fellowship. He might be standing at the door, but He's always there waiting to come back in. As a matter of fact, that's what Revelation 3, 19 and 20 mean when Jesus said in 19, Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. See, these people in Revelation, they were believers, but they needed to repent because they were putting other things first and He was rebuking them and He said to them, But I'm there. I won't leave you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, that's just like hearing what we've talked about today for you, if you've let the house go, and opens the door, that's inviting Jesus back in to fill up your house and and putting your priorities in order. He says, I will come into Him and eat with Him and He with me. And that's fellowship with Jesus. And so Jesus wants all of us. He wants our whole life. He wants us to see our lives as His house. And He wants us to put thing, first things first, to give Him our time. And so we all have areas that we can grow in. We all have maintenance to do on this house. So I just call us to do what Haggai called the people of Judah to do. Consider your ways. Consider what changes you might need to make. So let's do this. Let's just uh, have the band come up while they're on their way up. Let's just have everybody kind of bow your head just so we're not looking around. And uh, just think about your ways. Consider your ways. Lord, as, as we're considering our ways, bring to mind those things in our lives that You want us to change. We all have something. Some of us have many things. And what we're most thankful for is that you are at the door knocking. You, you don't leave us in that sense. You're there wanting and waiting to come back in. And I just pray that we would open that door up to you and that we would just reset this week, through this message, reset our lives and get our priorities in order and put first things first. That just means putting you first, Jesus. Please help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.